In this episode of 2000 Books, the always funny and entertaining serial entrepreneur and three-time repeat guest, Mike Michalowicz, and I discuss how to make your business a cash-generating machine rather than a cash-eating monster, and Parkinson's Law, the idea that when a resource is made available, we consume it all, and it is the same with our money, and why it is much easier to lose weight if we start using a smaller dinner plate, and how we need to treat our money the same way and why logic does not work when it comes to money and what to do about it, and a whole lot more. Well, hello, hello, my ambitious friends, and welcome to 2000 Books. Every Monday and Wednesday, we bring you the most important actionable ideas from the world's greatest books for ambitious entrepreneurs, books in the field of startups, marketing, sales, productivity, management, leadership, strategy, personal development, and much, much more. And I am your host, Manny Vaya. Today's guest, Mike Michalowicz, is a serial entrepreneur who's had multiple multi-million dollar exits. He's also the best-selling author of four amazing books, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, which we discussed on episode number three, Pumpkin Plan, which we discussed on episode 20, Profit First, and Surge. Welcome, Mike, to another episode. And today we're talking about your newest book, Profit First. So tell us the story behind this. Tell us the story leading up to this book. Sure, Manny. So Profit First, uh, it was, well, it, it came out of this period of my life. Uh, and we, we talked about it um, on a few episodes back. I uh, had grown a couple companies. One was in computer networks. And the second one was in computer forensics. That forensic business in particular, while well, I sold both of them, I sold my first company to private equity. My second business I sold to a Fortune 500. It just grew explosively using so actually some of the methods I had outlined. But I didn't know I hadn't mastered a key element, and that was the management of money. I, I thought I understood money. But what happened is after I sold that second company, the only thing bigger than that, my bank account at that time was my ego. Uh, I, I believed I was so smart and such a genius and God's gift to entrepreneurship that I decided to become an angel investor. And I started roughly 10 companies, all funding through me, myself, and uh, all of them collapsed. I was just, I had no focus, no really understanding what I was doing. I just, threw money into things and they fell apart. And as the businesses were failing, I was actually spending more and more money trying to buy my way out of failure. Well, it only took two years, but I literally lost everything I'd made in two years. Everything's gone. And um, I came home to my family. Uh, I'll never forget the day. It was February 14th, which is Valentine's Day, 2008, because that's the day I discovered I was, I was basically uh, on the verge of absolute bankruptcy and told my family. It was all gone, and um, that was not an easy moment. I was I was crying and embarrassed and ashamed in front of my three children and wife, you know, telling them everything's gone. And my daughter, my daughter uh, was nine years old at the time. Ran out of the room. I thought she was running away, and I wanted to do the same. I got it, but she wasn't running away. She came back in seconds later with her piggy bank, and she put it down in front of me, and she says, "Daddy, I'm going to help us." And uh, whew. That's the slap. That was the slap. I thought it was things were bad. That was the slap to the face. That was a humbling moment. It was. I was proud of my daughter. I was ashamed of who I was and what I had done. And at least, or if anything, it, it triggered the the realization that I had to find a better way. That I had to fix the damage I'd done 
but find a solution for this. And that I, I really didn't understand money. Literally, my, my daughter had more money in that piggy bank, which she'd saved, you know, in pennies and nickels than I had. So <laughs> I, I endeavored to find the answer. Well, the next morning after that, like it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, I've seen the light. Now I'm going to fix things. I went through a couple of years of depression um, and struggle. And, uh, but, but it never left me that I need to find the answer. And I did, um, at least for me. And it came out of watching a television show um, about fitness. And the fitness instructor said, you know, all these gimmicks like the the ab electrocutor, like that little belt you put on that electrocutes you and all of a sudden you're ripped. And all these things, like they don't work. They're gimmicks. Um, and she goes, the, the essence of those products and even like fitness programs like P90X and so forth, they require us to change our behavior so much that they're not sustainable. They, they don't work. If we have to be different than who we are internally, they're not successful. So she said, actually, the best ways to get fit and healthy are to use mechanisms, processes that actually allow us to, to continue our normal behavior. And then she went on to explain this one principle that just awoken me to financial health. And she said that the in the American diet, and this is true globally, plates have doubled in size. So in the 1700s, back in George Washington's day, a plate that they served dinner on was the size of a plate that we use as a saucer for coffee. Um, the plates we have at our homes now are double what plates used to be in size. And our natural behavior, and it always has been, is to serve food onto our plate, fill up the plate, and then clean it off, eat everything that's on it. So no surprise, our caloric intake has doubled. Double the plates, we double our servings, we double what we consume. So she said, if you actually wanna lose weight, the simplest principle is to simply get smaller plates. Reduce the size of plates at your house, and now you get to continue your behavior, fill up the plate, eat what's on it, but now your calories will be cut in half, and you'll start to lose weight. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. And she, she shared some other things. The foundational principle of Profit First, financial health, was the realization that most entrepreneurs put all our money into one checking account. You know, money comes in, we deposit money into our business, it goes into that one checking account. Then we look at our bank balance, Maybe log in online, maybe do through your accounting system, but you see how much money's in there. And then subconsciously, we start to eat up that money. We say, oh, I got enough money to buy that new equipment we needed to, to move into that office space, to hire that employee. And we go through that money very quickly. The principle of profit first is this. Don't use one big serving tray to eat off of. Set up lots of small plates. Take your profit first. When money comes into your business, immediately allocate a percentage onto the profit plate. Allocate another percentage into your tax plate. You know, tax season, too many entrepreneurs get caught off guard and say, oh my God, I owe taxes. Well, your company should be paying for that on your behalf. Set up a plate for your pay. Lots of owners negate to pay themselves. They pay everyone else and they pay themselves last. No, let's pre-allocate money to the owner's pay plate. Allocate another small plate called the operating expenses. And with these plates set up, now when $100 or $1,000 or $10,000 come in, it doesn't sit in one account and you don't have $10,000 to spend. You have $2,000 pre-allocated to profit. You have $4,000 maybe pre-allocated to pay the owners of the business, the people that are sacrificing their life to make this successful. You have another $2,000, we'll say, allocated to taxes. And now you only have $2,000 left over for operating expenses. This is kind of the great awakening moment.
you realize, no, you don't have $10,000 to run your business. You have $2,000 to run your business. It forces frugality and innovation, something we talked about a few episodes ago with the toilet paper entrepreneur. It forces that because you have less money to run your business on than you perceived you had. And this all happens by simply setting up multiple small plates for predetermined purposes of use of that money. Yeah, and uh, I think we already kind of touched upon the first component of your book, which is change the size of your plate, shrink the size of your plate to make sure that you are not eating too much. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, and, and it's it's profoundly simple. It's wildly simple, and I can't tell you how many people, Manny, say, you, you, Mike, that's really it? Like, just, just set up more bank accounts? And the answer is, yeah, that's it. Now, the key, of course, is sticking to it. Um, we can set up these multiple plates and have money set aside for these different purposes. And then when the bills come in, we say, oh, don't have enough. I'm going to, quote, unquote, borrow from my profit account or from my pay account. Well, that defeats the whole system. Now you're just playing a shell game. The key is to first set up these small plates, but then to adhere to and live off of the smaller amount of money. And the realization is you don't have $10,000 or whatever number it is for your business. You have $2,000 because that's the plate for the operating expenses, this predetermined percentage, then we have to find ways to make it happen. And when you don't have money, something we alluded to a few episodes ago, when you don't have money, you have to blaze a new trail. You can't follow the obvious path that everyone else is doing because you don't have the money. You have to become more innovative. You have to become more frugal. And ironically, it's when you have less money and this innovation comes about that it facilitates the most growth. Because it's the lack of money that forces innovation. Innovation is what facilitates growth. So by taking your profit first, you actually reverse engineer your growth and success. Right. And the analogy that you pointed out, it's like eat your vegetables first or I guess eat the good stuff first. Yeah. So this was another uh, thing that this fitness instructor on television said that she explained that you know when we serve food, typically – we serve food simultaneously. So we have one big plate, and on that big plate, we put the meat and potatoes and the vegetables, and uh, some of us even put the dessert out right next to it. Well, if you do that, those meat and potatoes, you know, the appeal is to the meat and potatoes, and that you know, mix of vegetables isn't as appealing. We will eat the meat first. It fills up our stomach, and then there will be leftovers, which are the vegetables. Now, the vegetables have critical nutrients and vitamins in it, but because they're served simultaneously, we play into just what we like the most. What she explained is actually just change the sequence. If we take our serve our vegetables first, and that's it, and nothing else is served, we'll actually eat more of them because there's no alternative at that moment. It'll fill up some stomach space. It'll deliver the good nutrients we need and vitamins to our, our body. And then since we filled up some of our we've satisfied some of our hunger, then when the meat is served and the potatoes afterwards, we actually eat less of it. It brings about a critical balance. So in our business, historically, when money comes in, we go right to the expenses. Uh, we go right to getting that money out. So so money comes in and immediately we, we pay bills. We go right to the meat and potatoes. But the stuff that really caters to us, profit, comes last. It's an afterthought. It's ignored. So I'm saying change the sequence. In the old formula, we're told sales minus expenses equals profit. Profit is the last thing you do. And therefore, most businesses are in the business of paying expenses. <laughs> most businesses grow to pay growing expenses and stay in the cycle of meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, meat and potatoes, and never get the nutrients of health, which is profit. I'm telling you, 
Flip that formula. It's not sales minus expenses equals profit. That's an absolute lie. It's sales minus profit equals expenses. So you grow your business. You sell as much as you can. You take a predetermined percentage. That's your vegetables first as profit. You reserve it for yourself. That's your health and nutrients. Then the remainder is expenses. This forces the balance of the, the meat and potatoes with your vegetables. Expenses come last. And now by taking your profit first, you will look at your business differently. You have less money to spend, and therefore you become more frugal in how you spend it, more conservative. You become more critical of where you spend the money. And when you do spend money, and you do need to spend money to grow, you do need your meat and potatoes. When you do that, you become uh, more selective. Of, of what you spend the money on. You squeeze all the juice out of it. You buy some software, but now you can't buy all the other software you want. So you look at the, you become very critical of the software you buy. And when you buy that software, you squeeze all the juice out of it. You leverage it for all it's worth. It, it's companies that, that take the pay expenses first that will say, ah, you know, we can just get other software that does this and more software that does this. And we actually s- spend money for all these different things. And often, we're buying software, and I'm just picking on software at the moment. This happens in all aspects of our business. We buy stuff that's duplicative. It does the same stuff, just from a different angle. So when expenses come last, we're much more critical, much more selective, and we squeeze the juice out of those investments. And by taking our profit first, we've guaranteed profitability, the, the absolute health and nutrients, the best part of the business. Yeah, we're forcing ourselves to make the decisions rather than let those decisions be at the mercy of a later bank account. Which would yeah, be yeah. So, right. So, the decision of being critical of our expenses in the old model comes last. You know, you, you maxed out all your loans, all your credit, and now it's like, I don't have any money left. I, I got to select what I'm doing here and refine things. Well, now you're under the gun. Now it's it's almost too late. I'm saying take your profit first and immediately you're forcing right away your business to be critical of the expenses right out of the gate. And now you're bringing health to your business immediately and not trying to recover from all that damage by just spending money and spending more money. Yeah. And the next thing you talk about, which it's all related to diet and exercise, so is increasing the eating frequency. Very true when it comes to food. Yeah. So you'll see this is my my thing is I, I love analogies to find something that we can relate to in the real world and then translate it to the more maybe the complexities of business. Well, what I also found out from this fitness expert she explained that most of us have a, a diet where we actually eat too infrequently. Most of us you know, target three meals a day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, usually skipping one because there's not enough time. So we skip lunch and then we're starving by dinner time. And so we eat inappropriate foods or overeat. Um, but even three meals a day, if you're on that rhythm, she argues not enough because what happens is we, we eat food, then our body experiences hunger, uh, and when you have hunger pain or pangs, you eat more. So she said you want to avoid ever being hungry, have five meals a day, smaller meals, and now you never go have those hunger pangs, which facilitate overeating. Well, in business, I noticed that most businesses uh, address their cash flow, their money, too infrequently. We, we aren't on a rhythm, per se, so our business goes to this oscillation of deprivation of money. There's not enough money, and we panic, and we just do anything to sell. And then when we're, there's money uh, in the business, we go to focus on servicing or catering, but we're not in this rhythm, so money uh, fluctuations are all over the place, and then we become very reactionary. What I suggest in Profit First is get into a rhythm. Um, 
a cash flow rhythm. I found for most businesses, twice a month is ideal. I found actually there's, there's two perfect days, the 10th and the 25th of the month, to go through cash, uh, profit-first cash rhythm. And this is how it works. You set up an income account. The income account at your bank's only purpose is to collect income. That's it. Every day is deposits come in, the money goes in there, and it piles up. That's your serving tray. Then on the 10th of the money of the month, all the money that's on that serving tray, the income account, doesn't get paid out. It gets allocated. The predetermined percentages, we'll say 10%, 20% goes to profit. 10%, 20%, 30%, whatever, goes to owner's pay. 15%, for example, goes to taxes. Remaining money goes to operating expenses. Then, once that money's allocated out, you look at your operating expense account, see what's money there, and then you pay your bills from that. If there's not enough money to pay your bills, that's your business screaming at you, shaking you, saying, can't afford these bills. Stop incurring these. Find a new way. If there's enough money to pay your bills, you're good. Then from the 11th to 25th, the money starts accumulating on the income account. So that income account goes up to a full amount, whatever's in there, gets allocated on the 10th, goes back to zero, and then it fills up again. Well, what this does is it starts that, that pattern of filling up, emptying out, filling up, emptying out. It's kind of like waves in the ocean. You get to start seeing the wave patterns. It's the simplest KPI, which is a key performance indicator. Yep. It's the simplest KPI for a cash metric. Just look at your income account every day. And on the 10th of the month and the 25th of the month, when you look at that income account, you'll start seeing what the typical balance is. If it's less than a typical balance, you will surely notice it raises a red flag and it'll force you to make decisions. Do we have to improve collections? Are we not selling enough? Or... If the money's more than it's typical, you'll, you'll, it'll raise a flag, a good flag, and it'll say, what happened here? Did we collect more money than normal? Are we selling stronger? What are we doing that we can amplify and do more of? But it gives you a good measurement of what's going on. And it starts, it starts averaging out or getting rid of these kind of panic moments of, you know, there's, there's no money in the bank account. Let's panic and make sales. Or we're flushing money and let's pay bills today. It gets you into this rhythm and you start getting into this kind of regular beat of seeing cash flow in and out of your business. And of course, this is the last piece, because since we took our profit first, our vegetables first, the profit you just see accumulating and accumulating and accumulating. Mm -hmm. So it's like quenching rather than saturation. Oh, yeah. You tied it back to the pumpkin plan. <laughs> yeah. These rhythms play out, and that's kind of the base beat of the business, but you also kind of have the, the other elements of the band, if you will. You got your base there, and then you have the, uh, the symbol crash, if you will, is the distribution of your profit. So on a quarterly basis, that money that's piled in that profit account now comes out as a profit distribution. This, by the way, is something that large corporations do. So if you ever listen to Bloomberg Radio or whatever, at the end of the quarter, uh, January, February, March is, is represents quarter one. At the end of March, for example, you'll hear on Bloomberg Radio that these public companies are announcing their profit distribution. Well, we as private businesses, small businesses, should take a profit distribution then too. Now, the beautiful thing is the large public companies are doing profit distributions, profit distributions to shareholders and they're getting like 10 cents or 15 cents. You're doing profit distributions to shareholders and it's usually just you, maybe a partner or two. So now that's not 10 or 15 cents. It's, you know, it's 10,000 or 15,000. It's like a big chunk of money. The key is when that profit distribution comes out is it is a profit distribution. It's for you as a business owner to reward you for the risk you took. You take that, go on vacation with that, go out for a lavish dinner, buy that thing you wanted. Do not 
put that back into the company. Do not use a fancy term like reinfusing capital, plowbacks, reinvesting, none of those fancy terms. Those terms simply mean that you can't afford to live off your expense account and you need to put money back in. That money is for you to celebrate. Now, you do that for a couple cycles, you know, a couple quarters, you'll it'll blow your mind away. Like, wow, my company is rewarding me over and over again. I implemented this for myself over five years ago. I was with the first test case with myself. I have 21 quarters, 21 consecutive quarters of profit distribution. Wow. It's awesome. Yes, indeed. Especially for a, uh, for a business in, uh, I guess, it's four or five years old now. That's where we are with the business. That's, yeah. Those are like some of the more hairy times of a business. So, Right, right. So, yeah, you can do it right in the startup phase, and you should. I mean, if you're just starting your business today, implement the system. It's frugality from the beginning. You know, we've been told it takes money to make money. I think that's a lie. It takes innovation. It takes a unique approach to make huge sums of money. By taking your profit first, less money available, you're forcing frugality, you're forcing necessity, and necessity is the mother of invention. You find new ways to do things, and during the so, which is innovation, you start growing, and you've assured a profit for yourself in the beginning, so you don't go through that phase of business where many entrepreneurs do, where we become resentful of our business. We keep on putting more and more into our business. It's not yielding money to us. We become resentful of it. And when you resent your business, that's not a good ground to grow a successful business off. Yeah. It's almost like uh, you're, what you're teaching is, even though it's just about business right now, what we're talking about, it really is about life. I mean, if you think about the, the way we need to approach our lives, we'd say, I don't have time for exercise. I don't have time for family. I don't have time for spirituality or whatever that term might be for you. Um, and we're cheating ourselves out of what are the most important building elements of our lives. Yeah, we totally are. And we it's the ultimate manana syndrome. You know, I'm not going to exercise today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't happen for a few months. Then it doesn't happen for a few years. And it never happens. And uh, you become extremely unhealthy. The recovery becomes very difficult. Uh, not only is it difficult, but it's so entrenched in your mind of not exercising and, and doing that stuff that it's, it hard, it's hard to build this new kind of wiring in our minds. Well, financial fitness is the exact same thing. If we put off our business profitability for a year or two, very soon it becomes entrenched in our mind that profitability is a future thing. It's going to happen one day, and we keep on pushing off profitability. Now it's four or five years later, and it's like, God, it's still not profitable. It becomes actually harder to make that turn. So the sooner we implement this system of, of taking our profit first, the sooner we start rewiring our mind for a healthy mentality, and uh, we'll benefit from profits you know, permanently. Excellent. So, Mike, give us give our readers like three specific uh, exercises that they can go back and work on. Yeah, so uh, number one, and I'm saying do this today, like right now, call your bank. Uh, you know, Put the podcast on pause, call your bank. Come back after this, but put it on pause. Call your bank. Tell your bank you want to open at least one additional account. This account, a savings check account or checking account, whatever, open this account and then nickname it or label it profit. Then allocate a percentage to this. Here's the percentage to pick. If, if you've never had a uh, profit before, start off small. Don't jump in and start reserving 10, 20, 30%. Start off with a small number. 1% is adequate, which means, by the way, if you have a $1,000 deposit come in, only $10 is going to this profit account. 
which means you still have $990 to run your business. You won't feel it. But what will happen immediately once you start allocating even a small portion of money to profit, that day, I can assure you, your confidence around money will change. You're not going to get rich overnight, but you will get rich in confidence overnight. Then stick with this program, and very soon you'll get actually financially rich. Your wallet will fatten. So step one is call your bank today and set up an account. Do it immediately. All right, now you can put the profit our podcast back on uh, on play, right? S- step two, get an accountability partner. Get with another entrepreneur or something or, or someone you know and, and, and do this program together. They're doing their business. You're doing it in yours. The, the importance of accountability is just like working out of the gym, the day that you don't want to do it or the day you want to sneak in that donut if you have someone else that's doing the program with you, you're going to have this friendly competition and support program in place that you're more likely to stick with it. Profit first works until it doesn't. And when it falls apart is when people don't follow the program because that bill unexpectedly came in and we decide to take from our profit that's been piling up and pay that bill. This is the moment you got to be calling your accountability partner and talking about your challenge and working through it with them. The stick to itness is where the success is. An accountability partner is the best. The final step is every business needs to have an accountant or bookkeeper. Get your accountant or bookkeeper into the Profit First system. they got to be doing this. This is like your trainer at a gym. You have this guy anyway or gal. I mean, this your bookkeeper, she's managing your books already. She's already intimate with your numbers. Have her enforcing Profit First. So now not only do you have a peer, someone you're working out with, you now have a trainer too. So tell your account or bookkeeper to get familiar with Profit First. Not, not trying to plug myself, but mm-hmm. just help, get them to get the book. No, absolutely. They, Please go ahead and tell us oh, how okay. to so find, they, they find Tell you your account and... or bookkeeper to buy or read Profit First or go to Profit First Professionals. That's an organization of accountants and bookkeepers that adhere to Profit First, this methodology, and get them doing it. Again, this is a person you need anyway, but you need an account or bookkeeper that understands the mechanism to driving profitability to, to doing this, and now you have the perfect storm. You, you're doing it for your own benefit. You have a, a compadre, someone that's supporting you in this process, and an expert. With those three, you're ensuring profitability in your business, and it's, it's going to change the way you do things. And from my experience, it will facilitate faster, stronger, healthier growth, and by sure, for, for sure, way more money in your pocket than you ever anticipated. Excellent. Uh- it's been a marathon, Michael. We've gone over. <laughs> it's been a blast. <laughs> yeah, quite a, quite a lot of awesome, awesome ideas. And I thank you very much for your time and energy and a sense of humor that you bring that's very unique. So thank you very much, Mike. Oh, man, it's been an absolute joy. Thank you. So I have something really exciting to share with you. After listening to your feedback over the last few months, I have opened up parts of my Thursdays this month, this September, for conversations with you. Yes, you, my fellow listeners, my fellow ambitious entrepreneurs, I want to talk to you. I want to listen to you. I want to answer any and all business questions you may have. And I want to take in any suggestions you have for improvement. So if you want to talk to me, just schedule a free 30-minute chat with me at 2000books.com slash discuss or text the word discuss to 44222 and we will get talking you and i yeah i'm i'm really excited about this because it will really give me the opportunity to get to know you understand you and serve you better and help uh, help you in any way i can so if 
by the way, I want to be doubly clear that this is not a sales call. I will not pitch anything to you, and I really hope you won't try to sell anything either to me. So let's just talk like friends, okay? Deal? Now, I'm only doing this for Thursdays in September, and there are only four Thursdays this month. So get a time slot before they're all gone. Just head on over to 2000books.com slash discuss or text the word discuss to 44222 and schedule a time that is convenient for you. Now, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. So let's do this.